0: Happy Memorial Day, everybody. Um, thanks for uh, joining with us in worship today and as we uh, prepare to study God's Word. Uh, this Memorial Day, tomorrow's Memorial Day that we celebrate. Um, many of you, it may not feel like an extended weekend. You feel like this uh, last couple of months has felt like an extremely extended weekend over and over again. But tomorrow we memorialize um, all those who have fought and died um, serving our country. It's uh, to memorialize the, the ultimate sacrifice from those who have served uh, in our military. And so uh, tomorrow is that day for you to, uh, to remember and to thank the Lord for those who have served and given up themselves. I, I've never served in the military, but I can tell you that I have, I have fought in a war. See, the Apostle Paul talks about a war that we're all waged in. It's a war between the spirit and the flesh. It's a war, the battle that we have against sin. John Piper tells us what sin is. He he helps us define it. He said, Sinning is any feeling or thought or speech or action that comes from a heart that does not treasure God over all other things. You see, we're all waging a war we're all in battle against um, our sin this battle sin and flesh and many of you have experienced that in fact in in these days of quarantine uh, you you may have experienced this as as your your life and and your sins are are almost magnified and much of the time we we feel like this battle that we're waging uh, is a losing battle A constant struggle and many of you have struggled with the same kinds of addictions and actions and thoughts over and over again so destructive are those desires so destructive are those sins that we bear and many of you because you've been battling them for so long feel exhausted and feel defeated Paul says it this way to help us understand this this war this battle that we're waged in. He says this in Galatians chapter 5. He said for the desires of the flesh are against the flesh and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed at each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. See throughout history People have subjected themselves to all kinds of things to attempt to win this war, this battle against the flesh, against sin. You think about the Pharisees and, and uh, the way in which they waged war against sin. They, they wanted to keep the law perfectly. They would do anything and everything to, to keep themselves perfect and, and avoid sin in their lives. And they would create uh, man-made rules and a and system of legalism but see, the law was given to show that they couldn't be perfect, and so it didn't work. We see the Gnostics, which are addressed here in Colossians, the Gnostics, uh, they, they would see that, that, that flesh wasn't even real. They, they wouldn't acknowledge that flesh was even real, that there was some higher spiritual plane which they they wanted to try to attain to. And so they would war against the flesh by just ignoring the flesh. They would give in to the flesh by trying to attempt this, this spiritual enlightenment of sorts. They would try to talk to angels or discover these new secrets that, that only they could discover. That didn't work either. You fast forward to the monastics and 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 they would subject themselves to all kinds of things to avoid sin as well. They would, they would move into isolation and and move to denial of themselves, celibacy, extreme poverty, extreme fasting, self-harm. Many of them did bodily harm to themselves so they could avoid sin. We attempt to battle sin in some of the very same ways, by self-denial, by self-hatred and self-effort. But we understand that those don't win the battle Paul says this in Colossians chapter 2, the end of the passage that Pastor James took us through last week. He said, these have indeed, when he's talking about these, he's talking about all these things, the the self-effort, the self-hatred, all these things that we try to do, this legalistic system that we put up, all these things have an appearance of wisdom in self-promoting, self-made religion and aestheticism and severity of the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgences of the flesh. Do you hear that? They are of no value. Outwardly, it looks like all those things might work. But we understand that those things, our self-effort, all the legalistic things that we can put in place, those things have no power, ultimately, over sin and death. So what's the answer? What's the answer to this battle that we have against the flesh, against sin in our life? This battle between flesh and spirit that constantly is at odds with one another, that is warring with one another. Well, here's the big idea for today. The ability to win the war against the flesh, against sin, is based on our position in Christ and our partnership in his death, burial, and resurrection. Two things I want to focus on today is again our position in Christ and our partnership with Him. So the first is this: our position in Christ. This this is foundational to the battle that we have. There are a few statements in our passage today that point us to our position in Christ. They are called indicative statements. They they help us understand um, our position, our standing that we have. It's it's to establish our true identity in Christ and our current position with him. And we're going to focus on two of these um, indicative statements, these two positional statements that we find. And so let's start here in Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. There's, There's two indicative statements here. One is that we have been raised with Christ. That's a positional statement, it's who we are. We've been raised in Christ. These are past tense statements, things that have already been accomplished. We've been raised with Christ, and then for you have died. And your life is hidden in Christ. Those two statements. Both of these, again, are past statement. When you place your faith in Christ and become followers of Jesus, you have participated in his death, burial, and resurrection. Paul says it this way in Romans, in Galatians, and again in Colossians. Let's, let's read these. Romans chapter 6 says, We know that our old self was crucified with Christ in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Galatians chapter 2 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. And then we read in Colossians chapter 2, a passage that we've studied, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith and the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. These are all statements of what our standing is with Christ. Now, this can be a difficult concept to grasp, but but Paul says your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's hidden with Christ. This This is... your current standing with him. It's this understanding of co-mingling with Christ, sharing his death and his resurrection, that you are eternally secure. There's, there's no caveats. There's no disclaimers to that. You are hidden with him. The, the language here of hidden has a, a meaning of like covering. It's, it's almost as though uh, this, this imagery of Christ coming beside us and holding us so tight And he won't let go. It's this covering, this co-mingling with him that we are together and never can be separated. Commentator Doug Moo says this. He says, "...the past experience of dying with him and being raised with him is the basis for our present status as people whose heavenly identity is real and secure, yet hidden. An identity that will be gloriously manifested in the future." This position, this identity that we have in Christ changes everything when we battle against sin and the flesh. The problem is that when we battle against our earthly sinful flesh, we do so with kind of a misunderstanding of our position and identity with Christ. We forget who we are. We forget that we are bought. We forget that we have security, having been buried and raised with Christ. So you are no longer a sinner— You are a saint. You are a beloved son or daughter of God. You no longer are seen as unrighteous, but you are seen as righteous because of the righteousness of Christ. So many times we have a defeatist attitude in our battle against sin because we forget who we are and whom to we belong. This old sinful person This isn't you anymore. That's not your identity. You died with Christ, and that old life died with it. And you are now raised to new life with him. So if that's true, then why do we still battle with sin? Why is this such a constant struggle for us every single day? Well, the truth is is that sin no longer has dominion. Over our lives, It no, has, no longer has ruling power over you. It's no longer your master. You are set free from the penalty of sin, which is death. But sin still exists in this life. It exists in this in-between of the already but not yet. Between the justified life and the glorified life. We read this in verse 4. It says, When Christ, who is your life, appears then you will appear with him in glory. See, this life between the, the justified life, our, our standing with Christ, which is secure, got us holding on to us. He will never let us go. That standing and this glorified life of this future glory that we have with Christ when, when we will all join him in heaven in glory, this life in between can be really difficult because we continue to battle the same flesh daily. So how does this work? How does this, how does this life of the in-between work? Well, let me illustrate it this way. Uh, 29 years ago, tomorrow, on May 25th, Uh, Lori and I got married. It's 20, 29 years. Now my my friend and pastor uh, Abe from the Wicker Park campus reminded me this week that 29 years of marriage means that I've been married longer than most of the people at Wicker Park campus have been alive. And so I, I appreciate that, Abe. Thank you so much for that reminder of how old I am. But 29 years of marriage, Lori and I have uh, as of tomorrow. In fact, um, congratulations to, uh, uh, to uh, uh, Pastor Bryant and Dury, who have been married tomorrow, 12 years, and then Pastor James and Steph were married this last week, um, eight years. And so congratulations. This must be the weekend for uh, week for weddings, I guess. But uh, Lori and I are celebrating 29 years of marriage. Now, I, I can think back 29 years ago, and I remember waking up on that morning, and I was a single man, I'd stayed the night at my parents' house, and I got up, and my mom cooked me breakfast uh, for the last time as a single guy, and so I woke up a single guy, right? And then at uh, sometime in the afternoon, I can't even remember what time it was, but sometime in the afternoon, I walked up an aisle, I stood before Lori, we exchanged our vows, and in a moment, I went from being a single man to being a married man, my, my life changed. Like my identity went from single to married in a moment. Well, Lori can attest to this fact, and that is, is that just because I was a married man and I had a ring on my finger did not mean that I knew how to be a husband. See, the reality was I was a husband. I'm a married man. That's my new identity. But it's taken me 29 years, and it will probably take me a lot longer to live into that identity. To really understand what it means for me to be a husband and a father. And see, that's the Christian life. You see, we take on this new justified identity that we have, this position that we have in Christ, where we are saved, we are secure, we are are held in his arms, but yet we spend the rest of our lives here on earth discovering what does that mean for me to live this life as a follower of Jesus? And what that means is understanding the depth of my depravity and what a sinner I am and how do I battle against this flesh that I still wear. See, the temptation for most of us um, is to do this in our own power. Let let me remind you that self-denier, self-hatred, self-work, right? Self-effort, they don't work. It's like a marriage, like I partner with my wife to make a new life together. So the ability to win the battle against sin, it is based foundationally in who we are in Christ. It is based on our position in Christ, but it also has to do with our partnership with Him. And so the second thing I want to focus on is this partnership with Christ in in battling sin. Paul now gives us a few imperative statements. So we have indicative statements that tell us about our position. These are things that are done. They are completed. They are finished. But he gives us these imperative statements. These are things that he's, he's, it's a call to action is what he's calling us to do. And so based on our present position, our identity with Christ, we're commanded to partner in, with Christ in this war against sin. So let's look at two of those statements. There's, there's actually a few that are in uh, this entire passage, but we're just going to look at two today. The first step, statement is this, and we find it in verses one and two. They're kind of uh, mingled together with the imperative statements and indicative statements. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things That are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. See, he begins with this statement of who you are, that you have been raised with Christ, and then he goes to what our call to action is, and that is to seek the things that are above where Christ is. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things on earth. Want to win the battle against sin? Point your heart, your affections, continuously towards heavenly things. Love heavenly things. Point your affections towards those. So, are your affections continuously pointed towards things of the spirit or things of the flesh? Paul in Romans 8 tells us that people are... Uh, who are of the flesh, of course, point their affections towards the things of the flesh. Their, their minds are consumed with those things. But he says that people of the Spirit, their, their, their attention, their, their thoughts, their focus, their hearts, their affections, are, they are pointed towards things of the Spirit. It's a simple concept in some ways. Paul writes in Philippians, he says, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure— Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Point our affections towards these things. Next week, Pastor James is going to help us as he continues on in chapter 3 to help us understand the kinds of things that we're to point our affections to. What are the things that we're to mold our hearts around? This may be a simple concept, but it is impossible to do these things without the work of Christ in our lives. It's impossible to do this. We work in partnership with him, dying to our old affections and being raised to heavenly affections, listening to his voice, allowing the spirit to convict us and warn us of attacks from the enemy, comforting us when we fail, and always reminding us of our position with him. But you see, sin is always lurking. It is always lurking. Satan is always tempting. Being at war with sin means picking up a weapon and fighting. So Paul continues on then in verse 5. He says then, put to death, therefore. This is the next imperative statement. This is the next command that he gives to us to, to fight our war, this battle against sin. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality of its creator. Paul names two categories of sin that we must fight against. Sinful desires and sinful actions. They're all seriously disastrous in our lives and in the lives of those around us. I want to encourage you this week. We we don't have time in our message today to really look at all 10 of those. I want to really encourage you to spend some time this week Maybe picking up a Bible commentary or, or, or Googling some of these things and, and some safe websites to look at what does it actually mean in those 10 sins? What, what kind of effect do they have in my life? And then ask yourself, which of these sins must I do battle against now? In what ways is Satan coming after me? In which ways is my flesh, these passions, these desires, these actions, in what ways do they continue to, to go against my spirit nature, Christ who is working in me. Paul gives us a battle plan. He says, put them to death. We see that in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, all those earthly things. Kill. It's pretty strong language to put to death, to kill those things in your life. Puritan uh, and theologian John Owen said be killing sin or it will be killing you I love that be killing sin or it will be killing you that's that's probably like the most thug thing a puritan has ever said right man sin must be killed it has to be killed it is not something that you coddle it is not something that you hold on to It's like a rattlesnake. Like you don't you don't become friends with a rattlesnake. You are gonna get bit every single time. We don't coddle sin, we kill it. Christ did the work on the cross to kill the sin. We join and partner in his death, continuously putting death, putting to death that remaining fleshly sin until we are then renewed in the knowledge after the image of our Creator. This is a continual process that we, we partner with Christ in. It is not something that we can do on our own. So how do we kill this sin? He says, kill it. Put it to death. Like, how do we do this? Well, it's interesting because Paul doesn't exactly tell us how to do this. It, in fact, if he did, we would probably try to package it in some way and, and make it some legalistic list of things that we need to do in order to kill sin. But killing and putting to death sin, it really is, in some ways, it's different for every person. It's different in, in different seasons. As we partner with Christ, we, we do whatever it takes to kill sin in our life. There's no perfect formula. There's no perfect plan. We just never surrender. See, at times what happens is we get disheartened and, and so we, we give up on the fight. Or sometimes we diminish the sin and we set it aside and, and we don't see it for what it is, is that it, it, is, it is something that destroys our life. The one thing that I see in Scripture over and over again, even though there's no perfect plan for, for battling sin, the, the one thing that I see in Scripture that, that happens in the life of a believer is that it always starts with confession and repentance. It's a heart that cries out to God and says, God, I can't do this. It's impossible. This, this sin has taken over my life. It consumes my thoughts and my heart. My affections are not toward, uh, turned towards you. God, I desperately need you. See, it always starts with confession and repentance. But your battle plan may be very different based on the sin and the circumstances and the season. And so I want to encourage you I would encourage you to do whatever it takes to battle this sin. For, for some of you, it, it's going to be a 12-step program you need to get in. For some, it's going to be counseling that you need to engage in. And some, it's having an accountability partner or, or um, leaning into spiritual disciplines. For every person, it may be different. I've had friends who have battled addictions and uh, sin for almost all of their lives. I've had friends who have battled pornography battled um, uh, dependency on drugs and alcohol I've seen the devastation in their lives and sometimes I ask why is it that some people are healed like they cry out to God and it's like just this automatic like God just answers and they're healing them and then there's others who just it devastates their life and they just cannot get a handle on it there's some who struggle with anger they just can't forgive they're holding on to hate and the malice Others of you continue to lie, sometimes at work, sometimes your, uh, your loved ones or your spouse. Some of you slander others. You want to stop. As we, we so badly want it to stop in our lives. We, we, it, it comes out of our mouth or, or the actions happen and we're just like, Lord, why, why won't it stop? Some of you today are feeling incredibly defeated by this war of the flesh. You're feeling overwhelmed. So let me encourage you with a couple of things today. One is this keep fighting. Keep fighting. You are not in this alone. Christ did all the work to defeat sin, He did all the work to defeat flesh. You you don't have to worry about your, eternal. if you've placed your faith in Christ, you don't have to worry about your eternal home. Like, you know where you're going. The glorification, it will happen. But in this life, you are in a battle. Know this, if you are fighting, if you keep fighting, it means that you're winning the war. That you haven't laid down your armor. You haven't laid down your weapons. That you are still in the battle. And it's an indication that you're making progress. This is a sanctifying work of Christ in your life. I-, I love what John Piper says about this. He says, conflict in your soul is not all bad. Even though we long for the day when our flesh will be utterly defunct and only pure and loving desires will fill our hearts, yet there is something worse than than the war between flesh and spirit. Namely, no war within because the flesh controls the citadel and all the outposts. Praise God for the war within. Praise God for the war within. Serenity in sin is death. The spirit has landed to do battle within your flesh. So take heart. Take heart. If your soul feels like a battlefield at times, take heart. The sign of whether you are indwelt by the Spirit is not that you have no bad desires, but that you are at war with them. What a great encouragement. Keep fighting. It's such an indication that the Spirit is at work in you. This this turmoil that you feel within, this battle that you feel raging inside of you, that's an amazing thing because you know that God is at work in you. So, Be encouraged. Keep fighting. I also want to encourage you in this way. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. We we read this in latter part of verse 9. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Remember who you are. You are not defined by your old life. You are not defined by your flesh, by your old identity. Your old life was put to death with Christ. Thanks be to Christ that we share in his death. We share in his resurrection and his glory, that you now have a new life. You have a new identity. You have a new name, a new self. Live in that reality, and with Christ within you, you will win the war against the flesh and sin. Let's pray together.